As Shannon gets ready to read the scripture, hear the words of resurrection in here, but in particularly the gospel lesson this morning, there is a key question, a key question asked of one of the characters, one of the sisters. We're going to hear about the body, the perishable body put on imperishability and the mortal body put on immortality from Paul, but then comes Jesus in his words about resurrection. See if you can find that question. Hear now the word of God. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When this perishable body puts on imperishability, and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. As you are able, can we stand for the reading of the gospel? And from the gospel of John. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of God. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. This is God's word. You may be seated. So, do you believe this? We sat in somewhat, a somewhat darkened front room, Marta and I, in the home of Marta and Leon. This was last Thursday. It was the home where she had raised all of her children, five of them, four girls and one boy. She taught them to ride horses there, showed them how to tend the gardens there, and offered them an example of how to love a husband, sometimes in spite of the challenges as they present themselves. It was a home my oldest children would often visit when they were much younger. They had their first horseback rides there. They had the first opportunity to cut their own Christmas tree down there. They had the first opportunity to meet one of the old-style lumberjacks there, a real logger, what one of those really looked like and even sounded like. Sometimes that was a positive experience. (laughs) 
I noticed on Thursday as I drove up that the house now has uh, a little too much moss on the roof and the porch is sagging a bit and you can literally, if you begin and run a little bit, glide on the moss-covered bridge that goes toward the front door. Even the porch is sagging a bit and the interior still stays warm with one of those old corner-placed oil heaters. The carpet is worn and threadbare in places and even the furniture is threadbare. And you can see places on the ceiling where the sheetrock has been replaced and not finished from the leaks through that mossy roof. Hmm. When you walk in, there's that old, damp furniture kind of smell. You know any place like that? It's one of those old homes that has been fully and completely and totally lived in. It has been for many, many years to the nth degree. As I said, Leon, the husband, is a grizzled aging logger whose fingers are bent in the strangest of angles and some of them are missing the tips. He's an amazing guy and, and and his voice rasped at the sound partly because of the smoke coming off the chainsaws or the machinery that he ran and partially probably because of a few too many cigarettes. Because of the machinery and the chainsaw, he couldn't hear 30 years ago when I knew him then and certainly can't hear at all now. And so in trying to communicate with Leon, who would never in his life ever get a hearing aid, it's just you have to repeat it louder and louder two or three times. And then he'll catch it and then respond. Hmm. He still wears logger suspenders. You know the kind I'm talking about in that stained, faded denim shirt. Often it was that wonderful pattern. On Thursday it was just the old stained denim shirt, stained blue jeans and those boots that have seen way, way too many years. I mean it when I say he is literally one of the last of the old time loggers. He was the one the last figure to occupy the final live-in camp in the Olympic Mountains, Grisdale. And it was up to Leon to lock all the doors and shut everything down on his way out. Reminded me a little of a sign about Boeing in the 19, early 1970s. But he really did shut it all down as he came down the mountain. But to look into his eyes, what you see is deep, gnarled, wisdom. Then there's Marta. Marta seems to be the ab seems to be the absolute opposite. She continually has a peace that seems to set comfortably around her like a warm engaging blanket even last Thursday. By the time he met in her living room she had gone blind from the tumor that is now occupying her brain. A tumor that is slowly and systematically taking her life. The doctors now say six months. When she shared that with me, she smiled knowingly and said, they obviously don't know me very well. I remember when Marty used to say, and she repeated it again on Thursday, that she wanted to die on her 80th birthday in a hang gliding accident. <laughs> Isn't that great? She's 79. She's not going to take up hang gliding. But the other thing she said was, Brad, I'm going to live, and I mean fully live until the day I die. 
Well, friends, she leaves for Hawaii on the 12th for a 10-day trip. And she talked about trying to surf blind. She's just that kind of person. She means it when she says it. And to look into her eyes, as blind as they may have been on Thursday, what you see is a depth of understanding that is overwhelming and loving at the same time. You see, Marta is one of those pillar people that built and sustains a, a church, a United Methodist Church. She did it and does it even now, not with overt power or dominant control. It wasn't done and have never has been with negativity. And it was certainly not done with wealth. I described for you her home. She is not wealthy, at least financially. It was done with love. Deep, dedicated, mature, giving, growing, teachable, receivable Christian love. She never pushed so hard as to hurt anyone, but she did push. She never manipulated anyone unless by manipulation you mean helping build and mold with the kind of gentleness that creates beautiful pottery on a wheel. Never hurt feelings. She always helped hearts grow and gain maturity, including the hearts of my own children. And let's not forget her living situation, that the community in which she lives is one filled with, I mean, overwhelmingly filled with, divest poverty, hard living, and the kind of toughness that comes from living on the edge every day, so beautifully represented in her husband, Leon. But I have to share with you, on so many levels, on so many levels, she became Jesus for me. Jesus embodied in her words and actions and the attitudes of this incredible woman. She is a saint in the truest sense of the word. As I shared that with her, she became deeply embarrassed and argued against anything, any use of that word in relationship to her. That's kind of what saints do, isn't it? That's what they do. And now I know that next year on this beautiful table, will be a candle in Marta's honor, and probably one for Leon, because I cannot imagine him living without her. I share with this, this with you partially because it's just so fresh, and partially because it's what this day is about. I mean, look at this table. We have 42 candles on this table. 42 lives represented in the lights that will be lit here in just a few moments. 42 lives, most of which many of us don't know what lay beneath the stories. But see, the other part of Thursday that I want to share with you, the other part of Thursday was sharing with our neighbor across the way, Rose, who was going through a significant time of spousal abuse. And I kept thinking about these two women, and these two husbands, and these two lives, and the children represented by these two families, and how they look at life in such different ways, and yet even on this table may be both of those pieces represented here. 
But then I kept thinking about Pastor Jesus. I kept thinking about how we, as I said before, somehow become the hybrids of the lives that surround us every day. We become those negative forces. I've talked to you about my grandmother and the abuse that she meted out on my mom. I talked about my grandfather and his assistance in starting this organizational piece of goodwill, goodwill industries. And I look at those lives and I look at my siblings and all of us in the Beeman family, but particularly at my mom who decided on a day that she became or found out that she was pregnant with her first child, that this is the day that it stops. This is the day. And she was able to take the best of even that abusing mother and the best of both of her fathers, real and step, and the best of everything else that she could see. And I looked at my father and watched him take the best of the best of the best even in challenging times. And I kept thinking, and your faces kept coming to mind for me. Have you taken the best of what you've lived? But I also thought about the other table, this table. And this does represent the best. You see, here's the deal. It's never too late to begin again. It's never too late to commit ourselves to having a life well lived. And for many of us, I hope in this room, we don't have to go very far but I don't think there's one of us who can't do a better job. And this is that day that represents all of it. The lives we remember, the life we remember, and the life that we're looking ahead, no matter our age, to live. So here's my challenge to you today. As you come forward for communion, Recommit. Recommit. This is the day where I get better again. This is the day where I think of those folks that were influential in my life. And this is the day where I decide again to be influential in a very positive way to anyone with whom I come in contact anywhere. As I said, is Jesus dead or alive? Well, friends, so much of what they think out there is dependent on you. <clears throat> what will you take from this place today? How will you live as a light of warmth and engagement with those who desperately need you to live that way begin again today? So choose, choose whom you will follow on this day. And I will reiterate with my wife sitting here that as for me and my family, we will choose that way, the way of life. Will you pray with me? <clears throat>
God, you lay a challenge before us every day. A challenge so beautifully related by the gospel writer and by Paul. That today becomes a day of resurrection. It isn't just a day about life after this life or life after death. But this is a day of resurrection for each of us and for everyone with whom we come in contact, potentially. As we prepare now to remember, to read names and hear chimes, to take a moment in prayer, as we prepare to receive communion, to take into ourselves that beautiful sacrament of remembrance, help us to recommit ourselves to being that martyr-like, Christ-like influence in every life that we touch. And believe that all things can work together for good for those who love God and are called according to God's purposes. We ask your blessing. We ask your anointing in this time.